You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. All right, welcome everybody back to Bears Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lapka, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Nano. And we are joined today by a very special guest. He's the host of ESPN 1000's Cap and J-Hood and the host of new NBC Sports Chicago show, The Football After Show. Welcome, David Kaplan. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Good to be with you guys. Absolutely thrilled to have you on with us today, and we're thrilled to be talking about Bears football with this season just four days away. That is music to my ears. It almost really doesn't feel real, right? Without a preseason, uh, without a true training camp, it's kind of unfathomable that football is this close. We have a, a Thursday game tomorrow, and the Bears play Sunday against the Lions. But first off, we have to talk about it. Uh, like we mentioned, we've had many other guests on in the past who have had negative opinions about Mitchell Trubisky. We've had people who – some people who have had positive opinions about Mitch Trubisky. But as a prominent figure in Chicago sports media, it's well known that you do like Trubisky, and that is a rare take in this market. So just a kind of a different question. What is it about Mitchell Trubisky that you like so much and a little bit of an expectation for him in 2020? First of all, if you had people on that were dogging Mitch Trubisky, you had to have interviewed Adam Abdallah and Chris Black. <laughs> and I love those guys, but they, they painted their position, and God bless them. They, it's absolutely they're entitled to do that. Look, I wouldn't say that I'm in love with Mitchell Trubisky as a quarterback. What I have always said is I always want a GM who has the strength of his convictions, and if he looks and says, I got to get Kevin. I have to come out of the draft and I got to get that guy. Then move heaven and earth. If that's your guy, get him. You just better be right. To this point, Ryan Pace has not been right that Mitch was the best quarterback in this draft in 2017. And he probably will never be the best quarterback in the draft. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to realize Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent. And Mitchell Trubisky, while you know he's been okay at times, is nowhere in the same vicinity. I get all that. My whole point has been, let's just let this play out. Most people painted their position the night of the draft when he traded up one spot to go get Mitch Trubisky. And everyone went, well, why would you trade assets for a guy that obviously was going to be there at number three? Well, that isn't exactly an accurate portrayal. Ryan was getting calls from other teams trying to trade for his pick. They're not coming up to take an offensive tackle. They're not coming up to take Jamal Adams to safety. They're coming up for one thing and one thing only, and that's to go find a quarterback. And the number one guy on the board, you can go back through all the different scouting lists. I think 95% of them had Mitchell Trubisky as the number one guy. If you go back to Scouts Inc., ESPN, they had Mitchell Trubisky one, Deshaun Watson two, and a distant third, Patrick Mahomes, because there was a lot of question. Can Patrick Mahomes, out of that uh, different type of offense that they ran at Texas Tech, can he translate to the NFL? Well, we now know here in 2020, you're damn right he can. He's a hell of a football player. 
So my whole point has been, okay, this guy had the strength of his convictions. He took his guy. Let's let it play out. But whether it's Brad Biggs or Chris Black or Adam Abdallah or whoever it is, that night they wedded themselves to bad pick, never trade up to go get the guy, and he can't play. Then he has a decent year in 2018, and everybody got quiet. And then he has a bad year in 2019. So let's examine 2019. Horrible offensive line, horrible play calling, no run game. Literally the three of us on this podcast had as much productivity as their tight end room. No second wide receiver. So we add all that up. Mitch has a shoulder injury and he plays bad. All of that is true. So he spends this offseason working with Jeff Christensen, who's one of the best quarterback teachers in the sport. So let's let it play out. They upgraded the tight end room. They think that their wide receiver core is better. So let's just let it play out. Matt Nagy said, I made some mistakes, but we also had no, la- uh, no ability to run the football. So let's let this play out. So that's my point to all of them. If we get six weeks in and Mitch is terrible and they do have good offensive line play and they do have better play calling and he's clearly the reason, then pull him and put Nick, put Nick Foles in. But, you know, the people that wedded themselves on draft night 2017 that this guy sucks, it's a horrible pick, I hate it, why did we do it? Those were the same people that had no idea Patrick Mahomes was going to be as good as he is. None of them. Exactly right. And I think it kind of leads into our season preview because I heard you this morning talking about the 06 team uh, with John Hood and about Mitch and Rex Grossman and how maybe this year could look a lot like that 06 team that made the Super Bowl. And obviously people look at those offenses and they look at, you know, two very good talented defenses, offenses with a struggling quarterback. Do you think that this team could be similar to that team? But in comparison, is Mitch a better quarterback than Rex Grossman? Because I know a lot of people don't think so. Well, Mitch is more talented as a football player. Rex was more accomplished. Rex was a hell of a player down at Florida. I mean, a hell of a football player. Uh, Was he a good NFL quarterback? No, he was not. Mitchell Trubisky has more athleticism, a better arm. I don't know. I've never been in the room breaking down film with him. I don't know who was more cerebral as a player, but to this point, Neither one has ever set the world on fire. Rex had an okay career, hung around as a backup with a number of different teams. This is Mitch's shot. He won the job, which is really hard on his critics to believe, even though none of them were in the meeting rooms, none of them were there breaking down the tape, they automatically can't believe Mitchell Trubisky could beat out Nick Foles. So again, let's let it play out. The 2006 team, had Brian Urlacher, Hall of Famer. They had six-time Pro Bowler Lance Briggs. They had a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame and may someday in Peanut Tillman. They had another guy who should be in the Hall of Fame and maybe someday in Olin Cruz. So I've named you off. They might have four Hall of Famers. Well, this current Bears team, as we sit here right now doing this podcast, has one. Khalil Mack will go to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if anyone else on that team is ever going to be at that level. So the 06 team right now today is a better football team. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then just uh, Chris over here, uh, Cap, um, I, I just had a question for you. What what specifically do you think Mitch needs to improve on to, to take that next step this year? Well, I think he's got to learn to slow everything down. Look, I was 
an NBA scout, and I got sent to see a lot of different players. And some guys had amazing athleticism, and you'd walk in the gym and go, who's that guy? And then you'd watch him play, and he didn't know how to slow the game down. He'd panic. He'd over-dribble. He would overdo this, overdo that. And then you'd see another guy come in and go, not a great – like, I'll give you an example. When you watch Larry Bird play, and this is going back, you guys weren't around watching him, Larry Bird's one of the five or eight or ten greatest players to ever play. If you put Larry Bird in a running race, he's going to lose every time. You put Larry Bird in a jumping contest, he's going to lose every time. You want to try and play the game against a guy who is brilliant on the court, a great shooter, and has an insane work ethic, Larry's going to beat you every single time. So let's see if Mitch can slow things down, his footwork. See, the thing is, in training camp, they said his accuracy looked a lot better. Well, there's the big difference when you're in training camp and Akeem Hicks is bull rushing up the middle, Khalil Mack's coming from the left end, Robert Quinn's coming from the right end, and all of them know we can't touch the quarterback. He's in a red jersey. Sunday, when he plays the Lions, now maybe the Lions aren't the Super Bowl champ this year, but those are NFL players that have – they want to cause a lot of pain to Mitchell Trubisky when they get in the backfield. They're not going to pull up and go, you got a red jersey on. They're going to try and drive him into the turf. So now let's see, do the mechanics break down? Does he panic? Does he rush and go, my guy's open. I got to – oh, God, I should have let the play develop. That's what we got to see. Yeah. I think that Fair along enough. with confidence – is what we talk a lot about is, is it's all about confidence for Mitch. And when he's confident, when he's playing well, that's going to dictate his play. And hopefully the, him winning the job is enough confidence. We've heard it from Cordero Patterson. We've heard it from Ryan Pace uh, and some other guys who reassured yesterday that, look, Mitch earned this and he's the most confident he's ever been. And we've seen like against the Rams, when he's not confident, what can happen? Or and against the Lions, anytime he's played the Lions, when he is confident, what can happen? Um, but let's uh, switch gears to our season preview. We're going to do some record predictions. Each of us are going to give our record predictions. But I want to throw a, little, a few stats out here for those listening before we get into those record predictions. First off, five of the Bears' losses in 2019 were by one score. So you get better production and you flip those five games. And you, the Bears could easily have been a 13-3 team last year. And they had one of the worst offenses in football. Remember that. And people say, well, they're 8-8 eight eight last year. Assuming they're going to jump up three or four games this year is unreasonable. Well, the 49ers were 2-14 and 14 the year before they made the Super Bowl. So, And we've seen time and time again that jumps like this from teams are not unreasonable. But, David, we'll start with you. Your record prediction for the Bears, official record prediction from you for 2020. What are the Bears going to do? Will they make the playoffs? What's it going to be? Yeah, I've got them 11-5, and five and they are in the playoffs. Now, look, Minnesota's a good football team. Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers. Detroit has a guy in Matt Stafford until he broke his back last year. That was a – guy having an amazing year so again I think it's gonna be a competitive division I got the Bears 11 and 5 and I think they win the division I definitely think they're in the playoffs yeah I uh I'm not too far off of that I I think I want to say the ceiling is 10 and 6 in my opinion um but 11 and 5 I mean that wouldn't shock me at all look I think replacing we talked about it before replacing Leonard Floyd with a guy like Robert Quinn is a huge upgrade um, you know, Tashawn Gibson fits the mold of the defense a little bit better than HaHa did. Um, you know, I think they improved in the areas where they needed to improve. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it's going to do wonders for them. I really do. So, um, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, staying at nine and seven, but 
I, I think I, I'll, I'll push it up to 10 and six. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about them, more so now than I did maybe a month ago. But uh, I would tell you this, the one thing you're going to notice is Robert Quinn can't drop into coverage like Leonard Floyd could. Yeah. And yes. while we always get hung up on how many sacks did that guy get? And he yeah. got three, two in the first game, one in the last 15. Leonard Floyd was an amazing athlete who you could ask to cover a running back out of the backfield, some wide receivers, cover tight ends. Yeah. And that's not something Robert Quinn can do. So the defense is going to look different on how oh, yeah. they attack certain things. And if they don't get pressure, like losing Akeem Hicks last year and having Leonard Floyd not give you the pass rush productivity, and Khalil Mack a little banged up, not having his best year, that was a lethal combination. Now you've got no Eddie Goldman, but you do have a healthy Akeem Hicks, uh, I think a healthy Robert Quinn, and a guy on a mission, I think, at Khalil Mack. So we'll see. Yeah. I absolutely oh, think yeah. Khalil Mack's on a mission. You'll see that in my bull prediction later. Uh, I've always been branded as the optimistic guy on this podcast for whatever reason, but I have the Bears going 12-4. and four. And I think looking at those uh, one-score losses is, to me, really important. I think that's really telling. There's a lot of history. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Warren Sharp, uh, Sharp Football Stats, and he does a lot of research about yep, how, team, how sure. teams with uh, a lot of one-score losses fare in their next season. And it's oftentimes that teams who had a lot of one-score losses will turn out to be better the year after, and it's very telling. But you look at their schedule, and – you know, going into this year, at every single game, week one through week 16, through week 17, they're going to be in the game because of the defense. There is not one game on the schedule where you know for sure the Bears will not be in that game. And looking at these games, it's almost hard to see, you know, this is an easier schedule than it was in 2019 as well. And a lot of people don't like to bring that up either. But I see that their only losses really being against potentially the Buccaneers. I think they can beat the Buccaneers. The Saints maybe the Rams and maybe one game against the Packers. Every other game I see is completely winnable. So when I look at that, I see 12-4 as achievable, and I see people say below 8-8, eight and eight, and I don't, I don't see how that's possible at all. I think for sure they will be above 500. But, I, Dave, I want to know your, 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 kind of your thoughts on that because I look at the schedule and I see this type of record, whether it's 11-5 or 12-4, is in uh, reach. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Again, you got to stay healthy. 2018, they had amazing health. 20. 15, 2016, 2017, 2019, not so much. They lost key players. I mean, show you how tenuous it is. Yesterday, the last play of practice, Von Miller blows a tendon in his ankle, is probably done for the year. That's their Khalil Mack. So if we were waking up today and Khalil Mack was done for the year, we would be devastated. So, and, and to go back to last year, the number of one-score games, okay, we also caught a break when – the kicker, Eddie Pinero, makes a 52 or 53-yard field goal in Denver. But you could say, well, you should have made the shorter field goal against the L.A. Chargers. Right. So you, your record is what your record is. Bill Parcells said that a long time ago. Yeah, don't tell me yet. We're really a 12-4 and four team, but we finished 8-8. Eight eight. No, you're an 8-8 eight eight team because you finished 8-8. Eight eight. The record doesn't lie. Yeah. I, so – we talked about how you said uh, you think the Bears are for sure making the playoffs. Um, we've been talking about this on this podcast a little bit, but what do you think happens if the Bears miss the playoffs with the, regarding Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, et cetera? Well, it depends how that happens. You know, if you tell me that Mitch has a really good year, but they lose half their defense to injury and they end up finishing 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, but it's, you know, a gutty 7-9, 8-8, eight eight, I don't think anyone's going anywhere. If you tell me – Mitch is replaced in week three and they're 0 after week three and they're 0-3 and, and the play calling looks bad 
and the defense tries to hang in there, but the offense just looks awful, there could be impactful change coming. There really could. Now, I can tell you the McCaskey family loves, not likes, loves Ryan Pace. They gave yeah. him $100 million to build that new facility. This is their guy. This was their hand-picked guy. And I can tell you, because I got this right from Ryan, when he came in an interview, Ryan was sitting in a conference room. He was in Hallis Hall. They had offered him the job. He called Sean Payton, said they offered me the job. Sean said, turn it down. They're not, that team is so bad after 2014, they are not going to have your back. That's the worst roster in the NFL. I'm telling you, they're going to make you hire a head coach that you don't want. They did. And he said, just come back here. We'll give you a raise and wait for your next opportunity. They're going to fire you after three years, and you have zero chance of winning. That's what he told him. And Ryan said that to George McCaskey. I'm afraid you'll give me a five-year deal. You'll pay me off the last two years and tell me to beat it. And that's why your franchise, from Jerry Angelo to Phil Emery to the next guy to the next guy. And George McCaskey looked him in the eye and said, you have my word as a man. I will shake your hand. I guarantee you, I'll give you your five years. I just need to see progress. And Ryan said, okay, I'm in. And so that's the commitment George made. Now, here we are. He was there, what, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. He's now going into his, what, sixth season? So as you look at that football team, from the roster that they had in 2014 with Tressman and Emery, to the roster they have today, the progress is significant. He's built you, if it's not the number one defense, maybe that's the Ravens, top five. Top five defense, no question about it. And there's a lot more talent on the roster. And you got some of the, what's the right term to use since I can't swear, some of the questionable guys, Cutler, Martellus, Bennett, Brandon Marshall, guys that were not good influences in the locker room. He had to eat those contracts. He had to deal with Jay for a year till they could get him out. And then they finally cleaned up the locker room. So again, has he been perfect? Absolutely not. Is he better than people give him credit for? Yes, he is. And had it not been for one blunder, we would be, I mean, literally without the one blunder, he's, I mean, he won executive of the year in 2018, but again, without the, without the Mitch Trubisky pick, I mean, he would still be regarded as one of the best GMs in the league, I think. So you, and, yeah, and if he, he takes Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun oh, Watson, for he's sure. already got another extension. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So let's, we're going to do some season keys for the Bears, some things they need to do this season to ensure success, to get to that point, 11 and 5, 9, 7, 12 and 4, whatever it is. Um, you mentioned staying healthy. That's obviously a key for any team. But for the Bears specifically, you know, obviously quarterback play, we know that's, that's number one. But other than that, what is, would you say, one of the biggest keys for them to ensure success in 2020? Uh, offensive line. I think the defense is a – given if they're healthy they're going to yeah. be good if that defense doesn't have any catastrophic injury and that defense struggles I'll be stunned and I think all of us will again you lose Hicks Mack Quinn Roquan Eddie Jackson Kyle Fuller you're in big big trouble because you don't have a lot of depth but offensive line for me is the number one key if you can't protect Mitchell Trubisky if you can't 
consistently run the football to offset passing game. They don't have Patrick Mahomes back there who's going to burn you for 450 yards. They just don't. So run the football, take care of the football, get better tight end play. Those, for me, are the keys to that team winning. I have a, a quick follow-up there about the running game. 38.73% of the Bears' plays last year were runs, which ranks 22nd in the NFL, which isn't terrible. Twenty, I mean, it's not great, but it isn't terrible. But it's worth noting that the top seven teams in rush play percentage all made the playoffs. So obviously there's this big conversation in Chicago about – do they need to run the ball more? And there was that whole controversy around the Chargers game when he said he was going to run the ball more and he never did. What are your thoughts on how much they should be running the ball versus passing the ball? Do they need to be running it more? Again, it is contingent on the offensive line. Like you mentioned, that's one of the reasons it's such an important piece. But what are your thoughts on how much they run the ball and, and will that determine their success? Look, you can't ask Mitch to throw 54 passes. They did that in the Saints game. First of all, he's already playing with a torn labrum. He's not as accurate. He's still in the infancy of his career last year. You got a bad old line. You got no tight end. And who's your second wide receiver? So to throw 54 times was asinine. Now, I get it. Matt would say to you because he said it to me, look, dude, we look up and we're behind significantly. And so we have to throw the ball. My response is you better fix your offensive line and you have to have a mindset of balance maybe 55% pass, 45% run. Take care of the football. Don't turn it over. And when you get a deep shot that you know is going to work, he can't miss. And he did. He had opportunities. Uh, I remember, in the, I think it was the Ram game. He had Anthony Miller yep. down the sideline. He's got him wide open, and he underthrows him by a yard and a half. That doesn't sound like a lot. It was enough for a fingertip to tip the ball away cost you seven points, cost you a football game. Yeah. So, Cap, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge Anthony Miller fan. Um, and I know you said they don't really have a second receiver. So it leads me to my question. What are your thoughts about Anthony Miller just in general? Look, I loved him coming out of the draft. And I loved, again, you know, people mock Ryan for trading draft capital. Ryan looked and went, I got to get that guy. I love Anthony Miller. I watched him in college. I thought he was a hell of a prospect. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Plus, he has a good work ethic, but he's not attention to detail. There's showing up to work, and there's being productive at work. Like There are always people at a job that they're the first one in the building, they're the last one out, and they're the least productive. And then there's another guy that, in my business, shows up. Radio show starts at 7. He walks in at 6.59, but for the next three hours, he kicks the crap out of his competition because he's really, really good because he's prepared. So Anthony Miller has to pay more attention to detail. He has to be better on his route running and he's got to stay healthy. So we'll see. Yeah. They're going to need him to be a role player because Alan Robinson, yeah. we know what we have out of him, but you know, other than that, we, it's question marks in the wide receiver room, right? I mean, I don't, you can't for sure say Ted Ginn is going to be a surefire productive wide receiver three. The verdict is out on Javon Wims. Riley Ridley is listed as the last wide receiver in the depth chart. Cordero Patterson isn't really a wide receiver, and Darnell Moon is a rookie. So if you're not getting production from Anthony Miller, you're talking about some serious issues there in the wide receiver room. Um, and, and hopefully the tight ends can, can make up for that if that's an issue. But a, another key that I think is, and we'll get into the tight ends in a little bit, but scoring in the red zone, 
And that's something not a lot of Bears fans talk about as well. They ranked 24th in the league in 2019 with a 52.17% red zone scoring percentage. They were 11th in that category in 2018. And again, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. And that is why you said that is one of your biggest keys. But for me, a lot of that has to do with play calling as well. And obviously execution and play calling go hand in hand. But the play calling in the red zone simply wasn't very good. So, Cap, I just want to know your thoughts on what they can do in the red zone, what they should do in the red zone, uh, and why that number needs to improve if they want to have success in 2020. I love Matt Nagy. I do. And the players that I've talked to just can't stop raving about how great the culture is up there. Yes. Matt Nagy has great – hated his play calling. Hated it. Okay, my offensive line couldn't protect my quarterback. My quarterback's playing with a torn-up, non-throwing shoulder, so i got to be careful with him. He's also raw. He doesn't really know my system as well as I need him to. He's not accurate. His mechanics aren't great. Oh, and by the way, Allen Robinson, who caught 1,100 yards in balls, doesn't have anybody on their other side. Anthony Miller's hurt. Wims and Ridley aren't that good. And I don't have a tight end on my roster, basically. That's what it was. And so you add all of that together, it's a miracle they were eight and eight. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And that, well, that's why I say, you know, everyone, we have all these people from USA Today and Bleacher Report and Sports Illustrated who have the Bears 27th in the league, 28th in the league. And Cap, like you just said, all of that considered, they were eight and eight. And that's where I don't see how they can improve. How could, if, if everything went to hell last year, which, which it for the most part did with a team that had Super Bowl expectations, how can eight and eight not at least be the floor? And that, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on your side. Now, again, if Mitch goes out and looks like the Mitch of last year and can't hit a, an open receiver from 18 yards away, then we got big problems. And then you go to Nick Foles and, Again, you know, when Nick Foles was traded here, most of the Chicago media, 99.8% of them, and the same amount of fans thought, we just got Tom Brady at age 26. Nick Foles was a fourth-round pick for a reason, A. B, there's a reason that when they handed him the keys to Philly, he ended up getting benched and traded to St. Louis. St. Louis gave him a big contract and went, oh, he's not that good. Boom, out. Back to Philly as a backup. He wins you the Super Bowl because he's a really good backup. And they said, no, we're going back to Carson Wentz. So he goes to Jacksonville. And 13 months after they gave him $88 million, they went, yeah, we're done. We're out. You're done. No more. So Nick is a wonderful guy. He's great in the room. He's brilliant at running the offense. And he's a great security blanket because when you had Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel was a guy who was basically – a glorified assistant coach with a helmet on. That's what he was. Good guy, knows the system, the whole deal. He can't play. So Mitch never looked back and went, oh, boy, that guy's going to take my job. He was never going to take his job, period. So my point is Nick Foles is a competent NFL quarterback, and when you look at Mitch, if Mitch struggles, he can look back and go, well, that guy could take my job. So – Hopefully it motivated him. Hopefully his foot works better. And hopefully we get a really good season. Yep. I wanted to ask you specifically about Cole Kmet. Um, what, what did you think about that pick? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I have some friends who live in South Bend, one who used to be an assistant coach at Notre Dame. And he said to me, I'm telling you, this is one of the smartest football players I've ever been around. 
and this kid's work ethic is outstanding. And it told me a lot about his character that when he was drafted, if you go back and you can find the videos on Twitter or on the uh, internet, his whole neighborhood, it was during the mm -hmm. pandemic, there was a procession of cars with Bears flags all cheering for him. And when they, they videoed him getting the call from Matt Nagy, he's like, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, this guy has an amazing spirit about him. And when his whole neighborhood's out there cheering him, I went, that's a quality dude right there. So yeah. I'm excited to see where this thing can go. I'm not expecting him to be George Kittle or Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey, but he should be Kyle Rudolph. I mean, a, a really solid NFL tight end. And we're going to need him to be because we know the importance of tight ends in this offense. It's the reason why they invested so heavily into tight ends. We uh, brought us a stat in our last episode that Mitch Trubisky, when a tight end has over 40 receiving yards, has a passer rating of 112. And that is exactly why they are investing so much in their tight ends. And hopefully Cole Komet can be that guy. Um, I was going to say to you, you realize that I believe, check the stat, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. That third and 10 or longer, Mitchell Trubisky was third yep. completing those Correct. in the National Football League. So wow. he made some plays. Again, third and 10 is not ideal. But there's more talent and there's more there. They just got to get it out of this kid. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny because we always talk about that. Like, we, like it's just so mind-boggling sometimes because you see him make some throws. You're just like, wow. You know, and like, like I don't know my quarterback could do that. And then, you know, there's some plays where he's just air, air mailing wide receivers. And it's like the argument I feel has always been like he has the talent. It's just about putting it all together. Yeah. So, you know, how, so many times do you see like a freshman quarterback on some college team who's highly recruited and you go, that guy stinks. And as yeah. a sophomore, you go, eh, he was OK. And then all of a sudden you wake up and he's a junior or a senior. You go oh, my God, that guy's a hell of a player. Where would that guy come yeah. from? That's where I feel Mitch is. Now, this is a make-or-break year. It's put up or shut up. This is the NFL. This is the big boy league. So, hopefully yep. – I, look, I did an event with Mitch, and he showed me a lot about his character. I couldn't stand Jacob because being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears is more than just X's and O's. It is – being the face of a franchise in a charter city of the National Football League. And it's signing autographs, and it's doing appearances, and it's doing talk shows, and it's being a great representative like Anthony Rizzo is for the Cubs, Tim Anderson is for the White Sox, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane are for the Blackhawks. That's what being the face of a franchise is. And I did an event with Mitch, and he was – speaking there the event was for people who have a severe stuttering problem and I'm in a back room it's just me and Mitch and his agent and we just I'd never met him I'd interviewed him on the radio but I'd never met him we start talking we have dinner together and I thought what's well, a really interesting dude here this is a really cool guy and then they said Mitch would you mind some of the kids want to come in and get a picture with you or get a jersey signed he's like Anyone that wants would bring them in. Well, there's like 50 kids lined up, and none of them can put a complete sentence together. That's how severe their stuttering problem was. And I'm sitting there, and I want to watch how this guy reacts. And he's putting his arm around these kids. Hey, man, my name's Mitch. I'm just like you. I get put my pants on one leg at a time, take a deep breath, 
let me sign your jersey. Where do you go to school? Like, it wasn't put my head down and sign and just get out of here. And I said to him, dude, where'd that come from? And he said, my parents raised me that this is Chicago Bears football. It's more than just, did I complete a pass? Did I get a first down? It's all of this. All these people, like, we're the one team in town that everybody roots for. Like, there's Sox fans, there's Cubs fans, there's hockey fans. Everybody is a Bears fan in this town. And he said, and I owe it to them to be the face of this franchise. And I thought, man, I hope you make, because we've needed you for a long time. So we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny because – you know, everybody that's come on to our show has said the same exact thing about Mitchell Trubisky and that he's a great guy. And, um, you know, it's just – I feel like that's an indictment. Like, it's just so hard to root against a guy like that. And I think that's why, you know, a, a lot of people get mad that he has supporters because he's been, you know, inconsistent, this and that. But, you know, I, I think he's just a great guy. I think he's an easy guy to root for, and that's that. Well, the amazing thing to me is that we did a poll yesterday. One of my producers, Jeff Meller put out a poll question and it was are you rooting for or against Mitchell Trubisky I saw that. and I think we had over 10,000 votes and I think 25% said they're rooting against Mitchell Trubisky I did well, see then, that yeah well then guess what you're not a Bears fan mm -hmm. yeah you're just not yeah. if they told me that you were starting a quarterback I may think to myself okay we're screwed we got no chance <laughs> this guy can't play but I'm gonna cheer my you know what yeah. off and hope that you do well. If you don't, I'm going to be screaming from the rooftop, get me another quarterback. But I'm not cheering against you, but so no. many people have made their position that this kid sucks. They can't possibly bear the fact, like, I would love for this kid to ball out, play all 16 games, the Bears to make a deep playoff run. He has an amazing year, and I want to hear what the critics say. Absolutely, Absolutely, because they, they would not know what to say. I can guarantee you that. They would not know right. what to say. <laughs> they would all be, oh, my God, I, how did that happen? It, look, if he plays well on Sunday and they win and he piles up 285 yards, three scores, Bears win 27-17, Monday morning there are going to be a collection of people going, eh, it's the Lions. What do you expect? Yes. He's always good against the Lions. <laughs> Then he'll beat the Giants. They'll say, it's the Giants. They're not very good. Wait till he plays the Packers or the Saints or whoever it is. All I'm saying is, let's let this play out. And if he sucks, I'll be the first guy to tell you, hey, man, we gave you your shot. It didn't work. Yeah, Absolutely 100%. agree. So uh, yep. we're going to finish off here with some bold predictions. We always like to mm -hmm. have fun on this podcast. We like to do some, uh, some segments, and bold predictions are always fun. So we'll let you go first, unless you don't have one, if you need some time to think. But the, your boldest prediction, we want to hear the boldest possible prediction you have about the Chicago Bears in 2020. Let's get the fans here. You know, let's give them something crazy. What is your boldest prediction? It's still achievable, still within the realm of possibility, but a bold prediction you have for the Bears in 2020. As long as he stays healthy, health has nothing to do with it. Based mm -hmm. on production, Mitchell Trubisky starts all 16 games. Wow. I like prediction. That. I think uh, I believe JJ Stankovitz, NBC reporter, uh, NBC. You know JJ, obviously, with your yep. time over there, said he he thought the quarterback was going to change five times. Is what he wrote in an article. Yeah, that's I love that's, JJ, but that's just bad. 
<laughs> five times seems crazy. Okay, so bold prediction is Mitch will start all 16 games. I can get on board with that, and I think that's quite frankly the best case scenario for the Bears. I don't think five switches is going to mean anything good. Um, my boldest prediction is that Khalil Mack will have 20 sacks in 2020. That is Love no easy number, but he only had two less pressures in 2019 than he did in 2018, and that was without Akeem Hicks, who needs a double team, and now Robert Quinn, who could need a double team. I think this guy's ready to go. They said he's turning it up a notch this year. Uh, 20 sacks to me is possible for a perennial Hall of Famer, like you mentioned. Chris, what is your boldest prediction? I'm going with – look, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people have mixed opinions on him. I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a vital part of this offense. I, you, you know, Cap, I've been saying this to everyone. I really don't have too much analysis of why I think so. It's just a gut feeling. But I really think Jimmy Graham's going to be productive for this offense, uh, especially in the red zone, which Kevin brought up. Bears offense did struggle last year. So I think, I think he'll help tremendously. Yeah, and I like that prediction. You know what would make me laugh? Everybody in town just dog Ryan for signing Jimmy Graham. Everybody yeah. dogged him for getting Mitch. Everybody dogs him for this or that. It would be phenomenal if Mitch played all 16 games, was elected to the Pro Bowl, not as an alternate, and Jimmy Graham caught like eight, nine touchdown passes. I mean, it would make me laugh to watch some of the people that I, you know, work around in the media world to watch them backpedal. It would make me yeah. laugh. Yeah. Speaking Absolutely. of Mitch as a Pro Bowl alternate, I know the, the, the listeners can't see this, but if you, what I'm wearing right now is a Mitch Trubisky Pro Bowl t-shirt. And yep. I'm telling you, I get clowned for wearing this thing, but I will wear it with pride. I know he was an alternate, but he was like, goddamn pro bowler in 2018 and you can't deny the facts uh one quick thing before we head out of here lions game is on sunday we're thrilled to have football we're thrilled to have bears versus lions it's in detroit not much of a home field advantage obviously because of the pandemic but score prediction for sunday in week one do the bears get the win bears win 24 to 20 24 20 oh yeah chris oh, what do yeah. you got I got 27-17. I think Cap said that same exact score like a couple minutes ago, mm -hmm. but I'm I going 27-17. That. Yep. That'd be great. I'm going 31-14. I'm thinking Mitch comes out. He balls out three touchdowns for Mitch, maybe a touchdown from three corner in the running game. Maybe Dave Montgomery plays. We don't know. They say the injury isn't as bad as they expected, but we're all going with a Bears win to start the season, hopefully start a playoff season for the Bears in 2020. We cannot thank you enough, David Kaplan, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time with us. A lot of great analysis, a lot of great insight, one of our better episodes. Hope you stay well and take care. Appreciate you and bear down. You got to bear down. Stay safe and healthy. Call anytime. All Thank right. you so much, Cap. You bet. See you guys. Yeah. See ya. Chicago.